What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is a Tuesday morning, and we've got one of our favorite guests. I feel bad for all the other guests, but Rich Rebar is like tier one. He is a tier one guest on our show, and we've got him on today, Lord Reeves, on Twitter. We also have Dave Richard, who is working through, as you all know, working through some technical issues, so he is in a different room with a different setup, and he sounds a little bit off. You can say it, Adam, I'm in a closet. Yeah, you're in a a closet, and you sound terrible, but that's okay, because we're going to fix it today, and hopefully um, everything will be fine. Well, hopefully. We're going to try to fix it today. And we have... A version of Heath that I'm really glad I didn't grow up with. Uh, I think I think he's insufferable Celtics fan. Heath uh, coming off a win last night, gloating. Just he's got this like gloating pep in his step. Uh, insufferable, insufferable Celtics fan. Heath, welcome to the show. First off, I want to apologize for enjoying something. I know that really <laughs> bothers you when I'm happy about something. <laughs> I will try to not do that anymore. Second, we had a guest on yesterday. I'm just curious, was was that guest introduced as a tier one guest or was it just Rich? Well, that guest was Ben Gretsch and he showed up a half hour late. So he dropped a tier two. <laughs> He's dropped a tier. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but I've been reading Rich's Dynasty tiers this morning. So I guess I just have tiers on the brain. So Rich, uh, you're at sharpfootballanalysis.com. You're at Lord Reebs, R-E-E-B-S on Twitter. Any other, uh, I don't like when people say, hey, well, it's 50 minutes into the show. Now tell us how we can find you. Tell us now, like, how do you want people to find you, your content, promote yourself? <laughs> yeah, all my work is at Sharpable Analysis, and you nailed it. The Twitter's at Lord Reeves. No Facebook, no Instagram, no TikToks. Uh, and listen, me and Pocket Aces, uh, you know, go, go <laughs> way back here as a pair. So uh, I appreciate him still putting me in tier one. I got to do something with Dave last year on the show. I got to meet him in Canton, too, for a little bit. Heath, I've never done anything with. We did like one five-minute segment on the CBS thing last year with Mike Conley, and we were clearly the the, the chum on that that segment. So we need to move out of the way. But uh, so I'm excited to talk with Heath too because I've been following Heath for a long time. Well, yeah, we've we've definitely had some uh, some social media interactions. I, you know what, you've given me a new courage just in like the first paragraph of your Dynasty tears. There's a sentence here, and it says. There is some overlap to actual player rankings, but these tiers do not specifically follow the rankings, rather archetypes. 
Yeah. And I have struggled with that in my diet because I do dynasty rankings, which I released last week and tears are coming out tomorrow or the day after. And I, man, I, I, I like that idea better than the way that I've done tears here recently. So I may just, uh, I may just borrow that a little bit. Yeah. So I've always done, and I do this for seasonal too. I've always believed in like grouping players, how they, how they score points and how they matter. Cause that's how you get kind of right. true arbitrage, right. In your dynasty, in, in not in just dynasty, but in fantasy football, you know, if you have a guy, like I want to say, like, let's say DJ Moore, right. Is going at wide receiver 12. Uh, but you've got like a guy like Terry McLaurin going like 15 spots after him. The target shares are similar. They're guys that have quarterback issues, like similar stuff like that. So if you're, you're able to spot kind of gaps and inefficiencies in ADP that way. And then in dynasty, you know, I'm looking for at the same things. Then you get player age kind of influx in the dynasty where it's not as huge as a thing in seasonal. So it really adds a different element to like the dynasty tiers and dynasty rankings. So there isn't like a full overlap and you have a guy like Travis Kelsey who's approaching age 33 but still has one of the higher probabilities to be tight end one and actually impact an individual fantasy season more than a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who's like 25 years old, but you're getting eight years of runway of leverage. There's still a gap in terms of like in dynasty, what one player means for your roster at a specific time versus another in a startup. And there's like all these different elements layered into dynasty. That's what makes dynasty football so great. Okay. There were a lot of vocabulary words I didn't really understand there. So I think I'm going to have to, you guys are going to have to lay it out for me with examples a little bit later. But uh, my first question for you is after the NFL draft, what was the biggest, I don't know, maybe the headline of your dynasty rankings and tiers, whether it was where you put Brees Hall or the rookie wide receivers or where you moved a veteran up or down? What was the biggest change or biggest story in your dynasty rankings or tiers after the NFL draft, Rich? I think the player that had the the biggest movement was Rashad Bateman. Uh, you know, this was a guy that was going to be basically entering year two, still kind of in like a log jam in a Ravens offense that basically we saw throughout the course of the draft. They still want to be the Ravens that Greg Roman wants the Ravens to be. Uh, so him just getting Marquise Brown out of the way now allows him to go to being like a 12% target share player to basically being able to push 20% or higher if he proves that he is the type of target earner we believe that he can get to. So I think he was the kind of the biggest winner. I will say too, like a lower frame winner was Darn. Darnell Mooney, just because Darnell Mooney is the kind of archetype of wide receiver, more of like a vertical splash play guy that could be impacted by another good wide receiver. Like if the Bears would have landed a George Pickens type of guy like that. Um, so them just adding Velas Jones, and I'm, we're not going to turn this into a Velas Jones things. He's like the guy on Twitter like wants to bury. But for <laughs> the Bears not to really invest at wide receiver, it gives Darnell Mooney just like this huge target runway again this season. Would you guys, I'll start with Dave, in Dynasty rather have Rashad Bateman or Marquise Brown? And they are in the same tier for Rich, I see. But Dave, would you rather have Rashad Bateman or Marquise Brown in Dynasty? I worry about the situation that Bateman is in because it's the situation that Brown used to be in. And the target target share could be 20%. Rich nailed it. But that's a Ravens team that doesn't like to throw the ball a ton. Last year they did. Because all their running backs got hurt, they really had no other choice but to throw it, and they really went crazy with it. I think they go back to being 50-50 pass run. There's only been one wide receiver in the last five years in Baltimore that's had over 100 targets, and it was Brown, and it was last year when they were throwing like crazy. So Bateman might be great, but he's going to have to be hyper-efficient to be an excellent fantasy wide receiver. I think he's going to be useful as a number three. I'd rather have 
like the next two to three years of Brown, because I think he can be really good in Arizona because that's the type of offense that I want my wide receiver to be in. Heath? Yeah, I'll go with Brown. It's funny. He was saying that Bateman was a winner, and I completely agreed. And then I looked at my rankings, and I do have several of the rookies ahead of him. Um, most of those, I, I try to keep a running schedule. Where were they last month? Where were they, where they the months before? And, and you see when you add the rookies in, you see almost everybody outside of the top 25 wide receivers is a loser because they all fell five or six spots because there were five or six wide receivers that went in before them. Bateman actually was wide receiver 31 for me last month. He's wide receiver 31 right now, but he did go up six spots. It's just that there are rookies that were ahead of him. Um, I, I, I still like Brown and I love, and I, I, I did this last year. I really like the narrative of like player A's QB went and uh, talked management into bringing player B to the team. And I, I would expect the target share for Marquise Brown is going to be very good. I was going to say my biggest loser since since Rich did the winners, and it was DeAndre Hopkins. Just because and what he talked about with the way he tears players helps this mm-hmm. tension a little bit. But there's such a tension in dynasty rankings between how valuable is this player for a contender, how va- valuable is this player for someone who's not really contending this year. And DeAndre Hopkins' value was almost entirely on the contender side of that equation. I would say if you're not one of the four or five best teams in the league, you should not have DeAndre Hopkins on your team right now. You should be trying, you should probably have traded him last year. And now we've got a situation where he's not going to be there for the first month and a half of the season. While there was already a little bit of uncertainty because his target share was so low last year, they bring in Marquise Brown. I'm terrified to have DeAndre Hopkins on my team in Dynasty. Okay, so all right, we'll come back to that a little bit later when we talk about the differences in the rankings and the tiers and whatnot. But uh, let me tell you about our merchandise store, the CBS Sports Store. We're giving away, not giving away, we're selling T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more with the Fantasy Football Today logo on it. And you can remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush them in your fantasy leagues. And FFT listeners are going to get 20% off their order when they use this podcast-exclusive code, FANTASYFOOTBALL20. FANTASYFOOTBALL20 during checkout. So, uh, again, go to the CBS Sports Store and get some awesome gear. Heath has the sweatpants. I have the long sleeve t-shirt. Dave, what do you have? What's your fantasy football today item? My daughter stole one of my, my, she stole my retro fantasy football today logo t-shirt and she wears it to school (laughs) and she says, dad, all the male teachers are coming up to me now asking me where I got this shirt. (laughs) And she says, it's creepy. I said, stop wearing that shirt to school and they'll stop talking to you. And she said, okay. Uh, By the way, do we have a fantasy football today closet organizer? This room needs some work. <laughs> we might. And if we do, you can get uh, 20% off with the promo code FANTASYFOOTBALLTODAY20. Only available for our listeners. We've got a link to the store in the episode description. Go ahead and shop now. News and notes. Heath, Mike Davis to the Ravens. Uh, Sony Michelle to the Dolphins. Do you think either of these guys matter? Or do they just muck it up for others? My first instinct was that Mike Davis going to the Ravens was make you, would make you feel a little bit better if you were concerned about J.K. Dobbins and how well he was progressing. But then I remembered that if Mike Davis is the backup, the starter always gets hurt. So I'm not <laughs> sure if it's better for, for Dobbins. But no, I, I don't think that this this hopefully won't matter at all. Hopefully Dobbins and Gus 
are fine in the first couple weeks of uh, training camp and they can get back to the one-two punch that they intended. But something's up, right? Because they were looking at Melvin Gordon and they drafted Tyler Bates. I just kind of assumed they ran out of running backs last year and they don't want to do that again. Like, we don't want to have to go get Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman, but maybe I'm wrong. All right, so, Rich, let me ask you about the Dolphins. Signing Sony Michelle, a, a capable running back. I mean, he did a nice job filling in for Daryl Henderson last year. Does this limit the upside of Chase Edmonds? Because, you know, people figure, well, Raheem Mostert's going to get hurt, right? <laughs> but teams, the Cardinals were hesitant to really turn Chase Edmonds loose unless they didn't seem to have an option, right? So do you think that this makes Chase Edmonds less appealing, the signing of Sony Michelle to a one-year deal? Well, I mean, the, the archetype, bringing up archetypes, I guess that's going to be the word of the show. If this is Sesame Street, I guess. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the archetype of Chase Edmonds, what hurts Chase Edmonds. You just have to be a really special running back at Chase Edmonds' size to have the full-fledged support of a coaching staff to give you, like, the, the ironclad amount of touches, right? Like, you have to be – Austin Eckler's, like, the most recent guy, and it took him basically six years to kick that door down uh, to be that type of guy. You look at Chase Edmonds, he's a 200-pound back. He's smaller. He's been always worked in unison with a, like an early down or short yard grinder. He has six career carries inside the five yard line. And he's got one career rushing touchdown inside the five yard line because coaches see that archetype of running. It's not these guys aren't capable of doing it, but coaches get like caught up in the stuff, uh, you know, with these players and these sizes. And they want to bring in, you know, the Joshua Kelly's of the world or, you know, that's why the Cardinals added James Conner last year. You know, so adding a guy like Sony Michelle, who can be kind of that early down grinder, when you add two guys like Mostert and Chase Edmond who are really good in that wide zone scheme, they're really good at taking their speed to the edges. They really fit what they want to do. But when it's third and one and you just want to run a guy up the middle you know you've seen it it's because Kyle Shanahan did this with Mostert in San Francisco too he just he would get pulled routinely inside the five yard line uh for for Jeff Wilson so I mean it's uh, just the thing with Chase Edmonds his upside is kind of capped just based on the type of player he is but it's a great scheme fit he's going to catch passes uh we just need to know if Chase Edmonds is going to get those money touches because he's not going to score touchdowns then on a week-to-week basis what are we really getting a couple of more news items here. The Giants released James Bradbury. He'll be a starting cornerback somewhere. And Tom Brady is going to be Fox's lead NFL analyst after he retires. I I don't I don't really think Dave I'm gonna say I don't think he's gonna be great at it. I think he's gonna be a little bit too nice. I just don't know why he would put himself through that. Put himself through I mean, that? He's gonna why, make he's gonna make fifteen work? he's gonna make twenty million dollars a year. He's going to make so Dave. much money. I don't know what the contract is, but Dave. it's going to be insane. Dave, do you remember? On, and he can Dave. make, he oh, can make money putting his name on anything. I don't know why he wants to put in the time and effort to be uh, on broadcasts. You do. You do. <laughs> um, do you remember when we were doing work from home? Yes. Do you remember when you were had your tent and you were camped out just outside the sidewalk of the office, waiting for the first day that they would let you come into the office and work in the office. I was working in the office before they let me work in the office. That's how bad. I don't think Tom Brady wants to work from home. <laughs> oh, I see. I, I think he took a month off and he was like, you know what? I like going to work. Yeah. Some people like working weirdos. Anyway, a quick question here from the chat from L Wood. Where can one find Lord Reeves's tears? sharpfootballanalysis.com there's no paywall on anything for the off season it's just open anything i put out will be just out there in the streets excellent 
Okay, let's get into the dynasty rankings. We're going to compare Heath and Rich's dynasty rankings. There are too many differences to really get into everything, but I picked a couple. Uh, oh, and there's a link to the tiers in the chat, apparently. Shraggy B put a link in the chat. There it is. So just click that link and you'll have his tiers. Okay, anyway, um, start a quarterback. Just some of the differences I noticed here. Heath has Jalen Hurts ninth, one spot ahead of Russell Wilson. And Rich has Hurts in, in a big tier four, which would be lower than where Heath has him, but in a tier with Tua Tungavailoa, Kenny Pickett, and almost all of the year two quarterbacks, not Davis Mills, but Fields, Lance, Lawrence, maybe Mac Jones. Um, so, so Rich is lower on Jalen Hurts, but putting him in that tier with the unproven player, let's call it that, the unproven tier, uh, that's interesting that you put Jalen Hurts there. Rich, why did you do that? Well, uh, in the actual rankings, I, I do have Hurts 12. Because remember, the, 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 the tiers aren't actually the rankings. Right. But the reason that Hurts is there is just because he still has a non-zero chance to not be starting next year. Now, I am, I'm a believer in Hurts, especially from a fantasy stance. I mean, this is 100% my brand. Uh, the Konami Code I, I wrote in 2013 about mobile quarterbacks and the rushing upside for quarterbacks. And that's turned into kind of a thing uh, now to these days. So, I mean, as long as Hurts is playing and he's starting, like, I want to be invested into Hurts. It's just that there still is a non-zero chance. And the Eagles have built themselves with outs. So the Eagles have prepared themselves for the optimal situation that Hurts is good, but they've also insulated themselves to the situation that Hurts isn't good. And that's what I kind of like about the structure that Howie Rosen's had this offseason. But I am still a pro Hurts fantasy option. Heath, are you not baking in the risk that Jalen Hurts struggles this year and then they replace him in Philadelphia? I think that risk was lowered by their draft and the acquisition of AJ Brown. I may be overlooking that just a little bit. Um, but I, again, I, I think having the weapons that he does around him makes it more likely that he's successful. I think this is probably a playoff team again, just because if you look at the NFC, there aren't very many teams that look like they could be playoff teams. Um, so that's, I think there is some risk there. I think the other thing is, and my rankings are built for one quarterback leagues. And I talk about like players that have risk or when you're worried about floor matters a lot more in a super flex league or a two quarterback league than it does in a one quarterback league, even in dynasty. I don't really care too much about what the risk is in a one quarterback league. I just want the upside that hurts has. And so, yeah, I, I think he's, it's, it's tough to compare him to those second-year quarterbacks. I think if you were sorting by archetype, that's perfect. Put him with those guys. It makes it makes perfect sense. He's in that group. I'd put him at the top of the group. If somebody wanted to put him in the middle of the group, I wouldn't argue it. He has more risk than Lance and Fields and Lawrence just because they, they're going to have a longer runway to try to be good. Their teams aren't going to go away from them after this year, I don't believe. But I also feel like he has a little bit more safety in that we've seen – him have success and those guys i mean we saw lance for a game out a game and a half but those guys have have really struggled and their teams didn't do enough to make me feel like they were going to be good this year so like i feel more confident if hertz is playing he is going to be good for my fantasy team i feel more confident they're going to get a longer chance to be good dave do you think justin fields and trey lance have a long leash or do you think that these two teams the bears and the 49ers could jump back into the quarterback market if those guys struggle this year, that they could jump back in in 2023, beginning with the NFL draft, with which as of now, if you look at mock drafts, you might see six or so quarterbacks in the first round, um, maybe 
I don't know, maybe four in the top 10 or so. To, you know, as of now, things change so much in a year, but it looks like a very strong rookie class coming in. Do you feel that way with Lance? Definitely with Lawrence. Like, they're not moving on from Lawrence. But do you feel that way with Lance and Fields? Like These guys are going to be the starting quarterbacks at least for two more years, or are they on the hot seat, I guess, as QBs? I think you can make the case that they're on the hot seat. And in the case of Fields, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because I was on Pat Fitzmorris's podcast yesterday, and we talked about Justin Fields and how he could be, he could be out of Chicago. Think about it. The new coaching staff and front office that's there had no business in drafting Fields in the first place. They have surrounded him with nothing. Okay, Darnell Mooney is his number one receiver. Rich already talked about how many targets he could potentially have this year. Hopefully he can catch more than the 53% or whatever he had last year from Justin Fields. But the Bears, if they're tanking this year like we're thinking they're tanking, they're going to have an early first-round pick. And they can justify moving on from Justin Fields because the new coaching staff and the new front office will get the quarterback that they want and that they could feasibly trade Justin Fields to another team. So I think it's it's realistic to think that if Justin Fields has a bad year or maybe even just like a solid year statistically, but the Bears don't win, that Chicago moves on from them. I don't know what's going on in San Francisco with Trey Lance. I think they want to move on from Garoppolo, but he had this shoulder surgery, and now they can't move him. And am I 100% sure that everybody from the top down in 49er land bought into Trey Lance? No, I'm not. And if he goes out there this year and he stinks and the 49ers miss the playoffs, they could potentially move on from him too. It's kind of crazy that they would move on that quickly from these quarterbacks who have tons of potential. And I would still think they both have a chance to be good with new teams. But this is the world that the NFL is living in now, and they're moving on from guys pretty quickly. I, I, The Lance one is the one that I struggle with the most. I really – I don't know exactly what's going on in Chicago, and Dave's right. The regime's not married to him. Um, They gave up so much to go get Lance that it feels like he should have a longer um, past this year for sure. But also – for as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is on the roster, I feel like he might be like an zero and three start away from Jimmy starting again, just with the way Shanahan is. So he I, might be on I, I the bench know. for week one, Heath. Yeah, that doesn't. It's, I guess it's possible. If, if Garoppolo, hold on. If Garoppolo's ready and Lance isn't great in camp in the preseason, I have no doubt that Jimmy Garoppolo is your week one starter in San Francisco. Uh, let's go to our next quarterback topic here. Let's talk about Matthew Stafford. I'll give Heath the first word here. Where are you on Matthew Stafford, who was a top six quarterback last year, sixth and four point, fifth and six point per game? He was 11th in uh, four point per passing touchdown leagues. Stafford was eighth best in six point per passing touchdown leagues. A little bit of a difference. I don't know if it's rankings or tiers, so I might be corrected a lot uh, in today's show, but we'll try it anyway. It looks like uh, it looks like Rich is higher on Matthew Stafford than Heath. Uh, go ahead, Heath. I think you have him 14th in your dynasty rankings. Yeah, I, I think, um, again, another guy who's probably better in the super flex or two quarterback format than he is in the one quarterback. I think he's going to be a low-end number one quarterback who is very solid. I don't really think it's very likely he gives you a top five season at any point in his career. Maybe he gives you a top five stretch in the second half of the season and wins you a league. That's possible. But I think he's mostly going to be a low-end starting quarterback that you should value more if you're a contender than if you're not, and you should value more in super flex or two QB leagues than you should in one. Rich. 
Yeah, yeah, I echo all that. I mean, I also have Stafford 14. Just to circle back to the Justin Fields thing, the Bears and the way they've had to operate this offseason should be a great warning example to organizations of not really kind of go all in on the guy who needs to have a great season to kind of save his job, right? Because like, this only puts you behind the, the next regime behind the eight ball. Uh, so hopefully we see some teams kind of learn some lessons from that, but uh, I doubt that it happens. Just don't be like the Bears. That's the lesson. <laughs> Which was like, yeah, Adam, stupid question on Stafford. Let me talk about Justin Fields a little bit more. So that, no, no, you're fine. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I could see how like the the tiers make it look like those are rankings, but I mean, actually, I have Stafford 14, which is locked in. Uh, he's a mid 30s year old quarterback that is probably going to be a low in QB one, not flirt with being the QB one overall. So I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, all right. That works. Hey, you know what? The, Lock it up. I like it. A lot in common. All right, so let's go to running back. Do you have where do you have Javante Williams, <laughs> Rich? I have him uh, third overall. Okay, I think we could debate here because Heath all has right. him sixth. Is that a huge difference? No, but he. Oh, oh come on! Wait, no, wait. I, I've not moved him at all. I, I do still have him six. I feel like every time I look at that group between two and six, I want to rank them differently. Like I could make yep. the argument for every one of those backs between two through six for being number two. I'm just glad we have Jonathan Taylor. So we all agree on number one. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Williams, Swift, Najee, Brees Hall, and, and Christian McCaffrey, just because of the upside that he has. Like I, I have all those guys in that same range. I've got Javante at the bottom right now. I just, I feel a little bit more hopeful about, well, I, I Harris is probably going to be a workhorse back and stay mm -hmm. in that spot. I think I feel better about Hall being that than I do Williams. And I, I like him just a little bit better as a prospect and he's a little bit younger. All right. And the one thing I say about Williams that does give a little bit of pause is if you watch Williams, uh, he, he, he runs like he's a 230 pound guy, but he's not. He's he's like a he's like a mid two two tens guy. He's like I think he was like two fourteen at the combine or two twelve. Uh, but he is like a punishing runner for like his size. And I wonder if that like the Broncos always want or always want to want to have that guy next to him just because of the style that he runs with at his size. Like he's not like like Najee's two thirty, you know. And it's one thing when you're when you're when you're running into people at two thirty versus like mm -hmm. that two twelve. And I just wonder if that's always going to be. In the kind of the back of the minds, because he's like he gets copped to Nick Chubb a lot, but Nick Chubb is way bigger. So it's I wonder if that's always going to be a thing with Javante. That is so interesting that you said that because that is what Emory Hunt said about him last year. Why Emory was a little bit lower on Javante Williams because he said he didn't like how he just always invited contact. Basically, he just ran into it, and some analysts really liked that about him. And Emory was a little bit concerned about that. So that's actually a pretty uh, interesting viewpoint there. Uh, okay, uh, what was my other running back note here comparing the two, Riches and Heath's? I, I had to take a, a pause to put the time code in for that Heath sigh because, I, yes, I am absolutely, Greg, saying in the chat, save that Heath sigh, LOL. I am absolutely saved. That was one of the best ones. That was an epic Heath sigh. All right, this uh, this group of, I don't know if they're older because, you know, running backs are still, they're young when we're cons when they're considered old. But Heath has Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley, 13th, 14th, and 15th, respectively. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley. Rich has them in his second tier. If if though if those were rankings, they would be eighth, ninth, and eleventh, I believe. But you tell me, uh, Rich, are you higher on 
Cook, Kamara, and Barkley than Heath is. He has them 13th through 15th. So a lot of those younger guys we talked about, I have higher because you're treating like in ranks because you know, you treat rankings kind of like it's a startup, right? And like, you know, yeah. if I'm drafting, I'm going to definitely take Brees Hall over those guys if I'm starting a team just because of the way the running back kind of uh, landscape is. But also those players immediately are in contention to flirt with like top five running back seasons this this particular season in 2022. And we know that high scoring running backs provide the most immediate leverage. Now, Cooper Cup was the first wide receiver to knock that door down in a while. But in terms of positional leverage in the individual season, the top running backs dictate wins and losses a lot more in fantasy football. So those guys still offer that leverage. Also, I'm waiting to see like when we have like a group of running backs and maybe this is the group in Dynasty that kind of pushes back on like the running backs being good past like maybe age 28 to maybe 30 because we went through a period where the league just didn't give us an influx of good running back talent and we didn't get there. But a lot of us played fantasy football in an era where we had Marshawn Lynch, Jamal Charles, uh, LaShawn McCoy, those guys turning in RB1 seasons approaching 30. So I wonder if some of these, uh, some guys from this tier can still sneak through and give us some, uh, a bit of longevity here and kind of kick down that door of being like, oh, this guy's 26. Like, get him the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I try to do a little exercise, not a physical exercise. Obviously, everybody knows that's not the case. No. Before the show started, and I think we're now five straight years where, every top five running back in PPR has been 26 or younger. I believe mm-hmm. the last one to do it at 27 or older was LaShawn McCoy six years ago when I think he was 28. Uh, but so that's just something to keep in mind. If you're looking for a top five running back, they're almost always 26 or younger. Dave, I'll get you in here after I read this question from Scott in the chat. What does Rich think of DeAndre Swift? What do you think of DeAndre Swift, Rich? Uh, I love him. I think he has the upside to be the actual RB1 overall in a given fantasy season, especially with his pass-catching ability. Uh, You just hope that the split falls a little bit more in his favor. I mean, you look at games that he played with Jamal Williams a year ago, like he just has to have a lot more rush. But you can't have 40% of the team carries and expect to be the RB1. But I do believe that exists in his range of outcomes. He's that kind of fantasy running back. Dave, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, well, just – it's it's such a weird thing with Javante and with Swift. I think it's a similar thing. Like, is a coaching staff going to believe yeah. that DeAndre Swift can handle that much of the workload? And I feel like the only reason I have Najee in the same tier as those two guys is a coaching staff just gave him all that work. And I kind of wonder if we shouldn't count on that quite as much as we do just on one year of evidence. But mm-hmm. it, the the fact that a coaching staff gave all that work to, to Najee versus those two is is really <laughs> something that stands out. I mean, well, that's I think the Steelers' way. They they've shown us, yeah. uh, you know, over with Le'Veon and when Le'Veon was out with D'Angelo Williams, like that's the style of football they want to play. They want to just have one back in there. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I think it's just the style that Najee brings, and on, on top of the pedigree that he has, I think it's it's all important. But Rich, you talked about lighter running backs. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift is one of those guys. Yep. He's yeah, mid two tens. They list him at two ten, but if you look at him without pads, man. It looks so unassuming. You wouldn't even believe that he's a running back. I know there's a lot of running backs that are like that, but I think that that's got to creep into the head of whoever coaches the Lions. Right now it's Dan Campbell. Uh, probably for the the meat of this young career of DeAndre Swift, it'll be Dan Campbell. And I think there is concern about him wearing down, and they are going to keep an eye on his touches. That's what keeps him from being an RB1 overall in my mind. I don't think he's got that upside. But he can still be 
top 10 and maybe even like RB four or five. So he's got that potential. I like the direction the lines are moving in. I'm just worried about how much he'll hold up or how well he will hold up. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would love, there. I don't know if I'd love to have Swift as a, as a first round pick in my dynasty startup. Do you guys think that is going to impact uh, Christian McCaffrey this year after two years of him being, you know, 208, 210 uh, and the amount of injuries had now his, if you look at his injuries, they've been kind of more like fluky injuries and like just yeah. really bad luck instead of like compounding. It's a hamstring. He's rehurting the same hamstring. But do you think the coaching staff is now going to look at saying, man, this guy's, you know, 208 is, and he's broke down two years in a row. Do you think they're going to over attribute that this year or no? I- I just think it's like with what we just talked about with the Bears. If you're the coach of the Panthers, you don't have that luxury. Like you can't think about Christian McCaffrey's future because if you don't win nine games this yep. year, you don't have a future. But at the same time, I think they know that if they don't have Christian McCaffrey on the field, they're probably not going to win many games. They can't win nine games with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard at running back. And I think they brought in Foreman to take some of that you know, grind carries between the tackles when it's second and two, or even worse, when it's first and goal from the one away from McCaffrey, put those touches on him and let him get worn down because he's the bigger back. I don't think it's going to necessarily mean, uh, like, I I don't think it's going to like drop his touches by 10%, but I bet it drops his playing time by 10 to maybe even 15%, but he just not being on plays where he might not have gotten the ball anyway. So I, I, I do think that the injury he had two years ago were related to each other. Last year, I think it's different. And I'm, I'm still worried about him not staying healthy all year long, partially because he hasn't, and partially because his coaching staff knows that they've got to win this year with him. They've got to get him on the field, and they might push him, might ride him a little too hard, and he could break again. All right, so final question here on running backs. Would you guys rather have Christian McCaffrey, 26 years old, or Najee Harris, 24 years old? I mean, he's older than a lot of the other young guys. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or Najee Harris in a dynasty league? Heath? I've got Najee one spot higher, but like if I had either of them, on, like, that's, a, that, that's only a decision that I have to make in the startup because if I had either of them on my roster, I'm not trading either for the other. Okay, Dave? I would take Najee over McCaffrey. And as, as much as I said about Swift, I think I might be able to talk myself into taking Swift over McCaffrey too. Rich? Man, the, the, that ceiling that Chris McCaffrey gets. <laughs> he's Marshall Falk, man. Yeah, like this is yeah. like our closest thing we've had to Marshall Falk. To me, like I'll like at least chase the rainbow and probably crash and burn. I like those guys. <laughs> like, I like Najee, but like you look at Najee and he's not going away. That's why I still have Najee in the same tier these guys were talking about. But like – I mean, Najee just like, where are the explosive plays? And it's, it, it, this goes back to Alabama. Like his, all of his fantasy production production is literally tied to just being on the field. And to me, there's always fragility to that yep. where, and so like, that's, I mean, like I said, I'll probably crash a bird because I want to just be a little more risk averse and chase that kind of unicorn ceiling. But I totally get why if you're in a startup, you would just take Najee. And all of these little like warts that we've talked about with these guys we yeah. love in the top six running yeah. backs. That's why <laughs> yeah. I end up with Brees Hall at number two. <laughs> this is why you see so many wide receivers drafted. In exactly. Uh, speaking yeah, of wide receivers. This is why you take receivers early. All right, let's go on to our wide receivers then. We're going to take a quick break on fantasy football today. Talk about some wide receivers. Jalen Waddle, big difference, I think, 
in the rankings uh, between Jalen Waddle uh, with with Heath and Rich, and we'll talk about that when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. We got Rich Rebar joining us here at Lord Reeves on Twitter, and you can find him on sharpfootballanalysis.com. And let's talk about wide receivers and some of the differences here. And there's obviously there's obviously just so many. So I encourage you to check out Heath's Dynasty Rankings at cbsports.com slash fantasy slash football and Rich's at Sharp Football Analysis. All right, Jalen Waddle, Heath, sixth in your Dynasty Rankings. Uh, for Rich, Tier 5, which I think if you just count the number of players in the first four tiers, there are 15 of them, I believe. So, Rich, where do you have Jalen Waddle in your Rankings? Um, I'm 12 overall. Uh, the thing with Waddle is, and I really like Waddle, is that there's just kind of the way his situation is in flux. The way he scored points as a rookie for fantasy football was literally he was a floor plus player, right? Like he he would he was a PPR floor plus player. He he relied on targets and getting a low A dot and low receptions. We know he has another gear and he's going to get higher quality of targets here with Mike McDaniel. We assume, but there's going to be less passing volume and he's going to be sharing targets with a career target earner in Tyree kill. So I do think there's some fragility in projecting Jalen Waddle, just the types of targets he's going to get, how stable his floor is going to be. Uh, I think in redraft his, he's one of the most egregiously priced wide receivers right now in early drafts. Uh, I, I don't think you can take him close to being a wide receiver one. I feel similar to him this year, actually a little worse than I did for CD lamb. And I was trying to express caution on taking CD lamb last year where his ADP was, um, so I do kind of feel like there is a lot of fragility into the, that's now baked into a situation that a lot of people are just aren't really factoring in. I mean, we have two targets from Tua Tungle Viola basically priced in as wide receiver ones now in redraft hmm. fantasy football for 2022, and that scares the hell out of me. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's weird for sure. <laughs> I I agree completely on the redraft side of it. I think I've got him as a, a low end number two wide receiver. I just. This might be a little bit of me holding on to what I thought of Waddle coming into the year, but I thought, man, this guy has so much upside. I'm it, it might take him a while to figure it out. And then he goes out as a rookie and shows us that floor and earns 140 targets as a rookie. And I just I feel like that that solidified the floor enough for me that I can still dream about what the upside and what the skill set presents as possibility. I do think the first year with Tyreek, maybe even the first two years, could be a bit of a problem in terms of total targets, but his efficiency is going to go through the roof. Um, and there's just, again, there, there's a there's a big tier of wide receivers in this same range for me that that absolutely could be second or third in the dynasty rankings by the middle of this year maybe or by the end of this year but that, that have enough concerns of their own. Like who? Yeah, yeah, we basically have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and then there's a cavern. Like like those two guys, the cavern from those two guys is very large, and a numerical list is not even going to enforce that. Well, I mean, I think you've got the older guys like Cup and Devontae Adams who might be wide receiver one in PPR this year, but also might be one injury away from not being a top 20 wide receiver in Dynasty. Um, you've got 
flipping AJ Brown, who super duper star, I hope, can we play 16 games and and just have some sort of connection with Jalen Hurts. You've got DK with the unknown quarterback situation. Like I just think there's a lot of guys in that range that I don't know how they're going to sort out. Uh, I'll get Dave in here. We'll talk about CD Lamb for a bit here. Uh, CD Lamb is third for Heath, so it's Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then CD Lamb third. Rich, what is your take on what happened to CD Lamb late in the season? He was so straight up bad. He was just bad. What What do you think happened with CD Lamb? I think it was a number of compounding issues. I mean, he picked up an ankle injury midseason that kind of got like because he didn't miss time for it, but you know, he did pick up an ankle injury. He also then got moved back into being like a slot player when Michael Gallup came back. And then, you know, Dak had a stretch where he didn't play really good football either. So I just think a lot of things kind of compounded on him. I still believe that there's a good player in CD Lamb. And I mean, if you look at like the work like Matt Harmon has done, has shown like he is a guy that wins on his own. But so far, like the majority of his NFL success hasn't really come in like a traditional alpha wide receiver for fantasy type of way, right? Like we haven't seen him just line up, play on the perimeter and win. And until we see that, like people are always going to probably be a little hesitant um, that he can get there. But it's it's literally sink or swim for him this year uh, in terms of like being regarded as this like type of alpha wide receiver for fantasy. Mm -hmm. Dave, CeeDee Lamb third for Heath behind Jefferson and Chase. Where would you put him in Dynasty? He'd be close to that range. He's still somebody that I would look at as a number one receiver for Dynasty, if only because... I think he's going to have a prominent role in the Cowboys passing offense for a long time. And maybe I shouldn't say the Cowboys offense, but a prominent role in an NFL offense for a long time. Uh, I think he's good. I think he's, he's capable, like, like uh, Rich said, and uh, Matt Harmon's research, like he gets open on his own. He can make plays on his own. Uh, I remember in training camp last year, we were just, they, they unloaded highlights of him in practice where the ball is thrown a foot over his head, the defensive back could do nothing about it, and he's coming down with it every single time. We didn't see it come to pass last year. I thought at first that it might have been like a target issue, but he had a lot of targets last year. For a, you know, a good receiver gets that type of amount of targets. He just didn't have a good average on a per game basis. He was outside of the top twenty-four among wide receivers and targets per game. I think that reverts this year. There's no Amari Cooper. The receivers that Dallas has right now. Um, aren't going to necessarily take work away from him. I don't think that Dalton Schultz is going to take a ton of work away from him. I don't think the run game is going to be so good that they take the ball out of Dak's hands a lot. I think CeeDee Lamb has a chance to be top five among wide receivers in the NFL this year in terms of targets, and he'll catch a lot of them, and I think he just uses volume to his advantage to be one of the better receivers in fantasy. And if he does it this year, then there's a pretty good chance he does it the year after and the year after that, and yeah. That's what you're looking for is somebody who's a wide receiver one for a long period of time. Let's talk about the rookie wide receivers here. Maybe we'll get a wide receiver one out of this group. Drake London, Traylon Burks, Wilson, Olave, Jamison Williams. These were all in tier six for Rich. And where basically, where did you come out on them? Who's your favorite? And you know, who are some of the veteran wide receivers that you have them ranked with yeah, Rich. so I like like he's kind of alluded to earlier in the show with Bateman. Like I I do have like all these guys above like where Bateman is in uh, at least the, the top the top five guys uh, still in like that area. So I have them all as like t- wide receiver two pluses in Dynasty right now. I always do. I'm someone that operates with like a little bit of I don't want to I don't know if pessimism is the right word, but like you know I, I don't assume that anybody's going to be great. Like 
in, in the NFL. Like we've seen too many good prospects fail, especially at the wide receiver position. Uh, so I have like London, the highest at wide receiver 15 right now. Um, but I mean, he's a 21 year old guy. He's the second youngest wide receiver in his class. He fits like that alpha archetype that we talk about. He can, he can, he can have one of those like stretches where he has multiple 15 touchdown seasons in like kind of his range of outcomes. Uh, I think Olave is probably the guy that is the best rookie season, but uh, is the oldest of these guys. He's a non-early declare uh, and that worked out for him. He said he had like a fringe round one grade last year. And obviously he goes at pick 11. He definitely helped himself there. But historically, the, those have been kind of uh, red flags for guys in terms of like tie breaking. You know, if you look at the non-early declare first round wide receivers over the past decade, I mean, like Devontae Parker's like the best guy. That in like terms of working out. So it, it does put him in a tricky bucket, but I do think he found the best situation and is the, like, the best immediate player on the box. And London is just going to accrue so many targets in that offense because they're going to be bad. And old media Zacchaeus is the second best wide receiver on the team. Do you, th- do you think, cause I've been meaning to ask somebody this. <laughs> do you think that COVID has any impact on how we view the early declare guys for a couple of years? I wonder think? if it will be for like this period, just because of what it allowed. I mean, I mean, if COVID doesn't happen, Kenny Pickett doesn't get drafted, right? Like, like literally COVID created this, this situation for Kenny Pickett to thrive. Right. Uh, it's just, it's just unique. It's something we're going to have to probably look back on in a couple of years. And like, maybe we, we readjust that period, but uh, absolutely is something I've thought about. Yeah. And I wonder if NILs will change things too. And, for most of them, they're not going to make as they're not going to make as much money in college as they are in the NFL. But they still, you stay a year and you're going to make something. You're going to make significant mm-hmm. change. Uh, I think Bryce Young was making over a million dollars. I maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that's what Nick Saban said. But some yeah. of them are going to make serious money in college, so they might stay longer too, just to you know be in college and have fun, win a championship, something like that. Um, all right, Heath, is there anything you wanted to add on the? Uh, oh no, wait, no. Let's talk about Amonra St. Brown. As I recall, you guys are very. Split on Amonra St. Brown. Uh, Heath, think you have him... Wide receiver 33. Like 105. Right, yeah, okay, 30. Right behind Bateman and Dotson. <laughs> well, how does that measure up with where you have Amonra St. Brown, Rich? Yeah, I have him 27, so just a little oh, bit higher. damn it. <laughs> Can you move him up just for the sake of this conversation, please? Like, put, just, like, put him in the top 12 for right now. You can change it back after the show. I, I am. I will say though, like while the rankings are closer, I am probably the more. I'm more on the optimistic glass half full side of Amara St. Brown. Yeah. Just because of the showcase ceiling that he had. I mean, players that showcase that type of ceiling typically are legitimately good. And I also think when you look at the Lions uh, in a vacuum, they cannot run their offense the way they did the front half of 2021. Like you cannot have, you know, basically 45% of your targets go to your running back and a catch and fall tight end. You just can't. It's not good offense. Like no NFL offense is going to be good that way. So I would hope to believe that Amon Ross St. Brown at least opened that up. And then a guy like Jamison Williams is only good for a player like Amon Ross St. Brown where he operates. So I do think that there is like a ceiling question for him, maybe like big picture. Like we probably saw the best stretch that he's going to have of his career in that the <laughs> six right. example. Like he probably never goes on a heater like that again. And it just came unraptable because it conditions, but I'm like, you guys said the lions are trending in a, in a good direction here. There's still a chance there could be a quarterback upgrade here at some point too. So I'm still more of the glass half full guy. I'm also the glass half full guy. Gabriel Davis still too. He's like another polarizing dynasty guy, but the players that have shown me they're good, I'm going to tend to believe they're actually good players. 
Okay, Heath hates uh, good players, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I really hate Monroe St. Brown. I don't like his name or his face. Um, no, he's like, I, I really, I thought coming in that like he could thrive in the type of role. Like if he could end up in a situation where he gets a bunch of targets, he can, he can get open in those short area targets. And he was more efficient in the second half of the year. I just still kind of view him as someone who's probably going to have to have a bunch of targets to be good for fantasy. Is he and 70 I, catches, 800 yards, and five touchdowns every year? Right. Ugh, gross. Well, well, but no, because it, because if it's 90 catches, then it's 1,000 yards, and it's like it's kind of the jar. It's a little bit of a Jarvis Landry type situation, I think. Sure. Um, it's, I think that. But I think that's his ceiling, though. Is like Jarvis. Oh gosh, I hope not. That's a pretty low ceiling. What was it again? 70, Jarvis 800? Landry had no, 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 no. Higher, than that, higher than that. Is oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm saying like maybe Jarvis Landry was good. No, no, I thought I thought I was I was talking about the stats that Dave threw out, not Jarvis Landry. I, okay. What was 800 no. yards, six touchdowns? That that would not be. No, a but good I think ceiling. Jarvis had a couple of thousand yard seasons with a ton of catches. Um, maybe one of those years he had a lot of touchdowns to go with it. I'm I'm fuzzy on it without looking. You can go and look it up for yourself if you wanna. Landry had but, I think the Cutler year. He had a lot of touchdowns, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the Jay Cutler, and so maybe something like that happens for St. Brown, and and that makes him. Probably like anywhere from a serviceable to a solid starter for a fantasy squad. I think that's basically how I view him. Like a good, like he might be able to run into, like I said, a, a heater where you're running a lot of targets, but just like a, a high floor player, which is why I think we both have him kind of like in that wide receiver three range. All right. I think that would be good, uh, a good wrap on wide receiver. So let's talk about that catch and fall tight end that he, th- that Rich <laughs> just referred to here. Because Heath has TJ Hawkinson fourth. It's Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, ahead of George Kittle and Darren Waller. And you've got Hawkinson, Rich, you've got him in tier four. And there are only five tight ends in the first three tiers. It's Pitts, and then it's uh, Andrews, Kittle, Waller, and then the next tier is Kelsey. If, as, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but Kelsey's in his own tier, and obviously we know he's just kind of older, but he's amazing. And then you have Hawkinson grouped with eight other tight ends. You have Hawkinson, Goddard, Fant, Knox, Albert O, Fryermuth, Irv Smith, Cole Komet, Trey McBride. And I know, Heath, you wanted me to say his last name, so Okwebunam. I should have said O. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. But, yeah, I, I guess you don't think all that highly of TJ Hawkinson. Is that is that fair to say? What do you think? I do. I mean, I, I have him, like, so from a, he's a player that I probably would never draft in, in a startup, but but when you're valuing startup guys, like, he has to be valued, like, you know, if you're starting a team from scratch, he's three years younger than George Kittle, almost four years younger. He's five years younger than Darren Waller. Uh, he's two years younger than Mark Andrews. So, like, he gets some bonus points for that, but does he ever impact the fantasy season? That's my question with TJ Hawkinson right now is right now, does he ever impact individually a fantasy season? I think it's a right question to ask. I mean, this is a guy that's accrued no downfield targets in his career. He has just three, he, he, Kyle Pitts has now just three fewer downfield targets in one season than TJ Hawkinson did his entire career at this point. He scored one career touchdown outside of the red zone. If he just, if, the, if there's any fragility, we just talked about Amon Ross St. Brown, if there's any stickiness, to Armand, Amon Ross St. Brown earning targets, the most direct impact that has on a player in that offense is TJ Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. So if he if he loses any fragility and volume, like what do we really have? Um, you know, uh, we, where is the, the, that touchdown score we saw at Iowa? And that could just be a product of where he's been in the NFL. That player could still exist. But we've seen no like real creation in terms of after the catch, 
uh, ability from TJ Hawkinson to like have that type of ceiling. Uh, that's just kind of where I'm right now is I'm kind of in a gray area where the age and the targets look good. The pedigree is still there, but you've got to show me some, so where is the upside? I, I, you know, I, I love that. My it. favorite part good of this take. job is the like jumping back and forth on the other side of the net, depending on which side I, I, I get to play. Um, because I spent the entire off season last year, just, standing on my chair and yelling stop drafting tj hawkinson before mark andrews um so now i'm going to defend tj hawkinson and it really is it's just i think there is some value because he's pretty solid number one tight end he's not someone that i think is going to leave you in a position where you have to stream and i think he's probably going to get to do this job for the next five years um i would much rather have kittle and waller if i'm trying to win a championship this year um but if I'm not, I don't really want Kittle or Waller on my roster. Right. So that's that's why he ends up just ahead of them. And I feel a little bit more confident that he is what he is um, than Schultz or Goddard or Fryermuth or Commit or Fant. Like those guys, I think might be the same thing as Hawkinson. And one of some a couple of them might have a little more upside. But in terms of like what fantasy production they're going to give you, I feel a little more secure in Hawkinson's than, than I do theirs, just mostly because they haven't done it as much. All right, Dave, jump in. I think Hawkinson's got the potential to be a little bit better than what he's been statistically. He's at 1.48 yards per route run in 2021. That's ugly. You're looking at a tight end that he either needs volume or a lot of red zone targets uh, in order to be helpful for your fantasy squad. He was getting that at the beginning of the year. Remember, the first two weeks of the season, he was a dynamo. Mm -hmm. But we've seen him get banged up over the course of his career We've seen him disappear for stretches over the course of his career. Maybe that's just part of the deal when you're with the Detroit Lions. I'm not sure. I think he's going to play in the NFL and catch passes in the NFL for the next five years. It's just, does he have the upside to still be a George Kittle? I'm probably going to lean toward no on that. He's going to be more like the touchdown-dependent tight ends that we we take late in redraft leagues and we're not excited to start on a weekly basis in dynasty leagues. I mean, the biggest thing is the just the position he plays and the way it is structured in fantasy football is that if you're not one of the guys, you're one of just the guys. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Just One of the Guys? <laughs> no. Really? Dave, you've seen that, right? Of course. Oh, it's great. Heath, have you seen it? No, I don't think so. No. Well, spoiler alert, Heath, uh, she's a girl, but she dresses up as a guy. But it's it's a great, great 80s flick. Um, let's talk about Dalton Schultz. I don't know any movies that have Dalton or Schultz in the title, but uh, where are you? It seems like you're low on Dalton Schultz, Rich. You you have him outside, like that whole tier of Hawkinson, Goddard, Fant, Knox, Okwebenam, Fryermuth, Smith Jr., Komet, McBride. Uh, you have uh, Dalton Schultz outside of that tier, right behind that? Yeah, and it's because he's a little older than those guys and doesn't have the contractual leverage. I mean, he's just playing under the franchise tag, so... Um, and I look at Dalton Schultz, and he's, he's, he's a really solid, dependable player, but I feel a lot like how Austin Hooper was with the Falcons with Dalton Schultz. And, like, he can be taken away. And we're going to find out this year really how good Dalton Schultz is. It's one thing when you can perform when the Cowboys have Amari Cooper on the field and Michael Gallup on the field and Cedric Wilson on the field. But now when it's just you and CeeDee Lamb and the other team knows it's just you and CeeDee Lamb, like, we're going to see, like, kind of, like, really how good Dalton Schultz is. So he can win me over this year. This will be a big year for him to kind of prove that, like, I'm wrong. But I consider him very much like I did Austin Hooper when he was in the Falcons. 
Okay, and Heath has him seventh in his dynasty rankings. Um, we're about out of time. I'm going to read some emails. I'm going to let Rich go. And Rich, tier one, tier one work today. Thank you. Get <laughs> out now. If you have some free time, just go watch just one of the guys. You're going to love it. I'm going to watch it after this. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. You'll Rich. love the big reveal at the end. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll love the like, very, very well said, Dave. Uh, Rich, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Rich Rebar, great stuff, man. I appreciate it, guys. All right, now, do you know how to? Oh, he does know how to exit Streamyard. Okay, good. I was gonna. I didn't know if I had to kick him out myself, but he is a professional. He couldn't wait. He could not wait. He was like it's the middle of sentence. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, what'd you say? What was that, Shraggy B? I said you're welcome. Oh, thank you for booting him. <laughs> well, sometimes the guests don't know what to do, and then it's really awkward. But anyway, uh, this is from Derek. Derek from the Air Capital. Half point PP. Uh, half point. Yeah, PPR. Where's the half, Air Capital? I don't know. Uh, do you? <laughs> no idea. I thought you'd like normally you'd Google it and tell us the answer. I I my first guess was Denver just because you know they have all the the crazy stuff underneath the airport. But it might be it might be New York also. Mm. Well, in keeping with the only movie that I ever quote, I'll just say it's Druidia. So, half PPR redraft, I have Cup and Jefferson. Pick, uh, picks 12 and 13. That's a good start. Yeah, and there are 24 keepers. So uh, so after the first 24 picks, he has picks 12 and 13 and Cup and Jefferson. How should I construct my roster? Do I need to be locked into two running backs at 12 and 13, or should I just go best player available? And we can start up to three running backs and up to four wide receivers. So two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex, obviously. So he's got Cup and Jefferson. He's got picks 12 and 13. There are 24 players being kept. What do you do, Dave? Best player available, or do you have to get at least one running back there? What's your advice to Derek? Yeah, I think I would try and get at least one running back there. So maybe one running back and then the other player, whoever you want. Best player available is fine. But you also don't know how drafts are going to shake out. What if there's two really good wide receivers that are there and there isn't a running back that you love? You pivot. You take the wide receivers. Or maybe it's a one wide receiver and one tight end. You go in that direction instead. You should be open, obviously. I think this is just good general fantasy advice overall is be open to taking good players who slide into your lap and don't force yourself to take a position just because it's it's so thin. But you are going to need running backs at some point. So if you pass on them at, at 12 and 13, you can probably expect them to be ugly when you pick again in end of round three, beginning of round four. All right. Next question from Sean. Where's Sean from, Dave? Sean is from Dublin, Ohio. I'm in a 12-team, one-keeper league. Should I keep McCaffrey and get the seventh pick overall or keep Jamar Chase and get the 12th pick overall? Would you rather have McCaffrey in the seventh pick or Chase in the 12th pick? I think I'd rather McCaffrey in the seventh pick. Yeah, McCaffrey. Now, are you sure, are you reading that right? Is it McCaffrey and he gets the seventh pick or he gives up the seventh pick? It says gets. It says gets, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. What a generous league. Heath, Leo gets. What movie? I don't know. Dave? Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Rock and roll. All right, from Kevin. Where's he from? Anderson, California. Dear Zach, Dallas, Brent, Chad, and Keith. Those are pitchers. They are? I mean, 
Probably. Tight ends. That feels more right. I don't I don't Philadelphia know. Philadelphia tight ends. I was thinking Astros. Philadelphia first. Eagles tight end. Ah, okay. Okay. Ertz, Goddard, Brent Selleck, Chad Lewis, Keith Jackson. Chad Lewis, I don't and that that wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten that. But Leo Getz, I would have. Full P, full point PPR, 12 team dynasty league. Should I trade Derek Henry and Tyreek Hill for rookie pick 101 and Jerry Judy? Wow. I'm the defending champ and I'm looking to turn over my roster a bit while staying competitive. So he's got Henry and Tyree Kill. Give those up for pick 101 and Jerry Judy. I think it's close. I really do. It doesn't seem close right now, but a year or two from now, I think you might love that you made this trade. I would try and squeeze for a little more than 101 and Judy, though. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. By do the it, way, question from... Does the trade chart say to do it? Oh, yeah. Brees Hall is the best player in the deal. Scott wants to know how Dave picks the cities that people are from. Telling listeners where they're at. Bill from Delaware. That's just Dave Richard's stats. Yeah, that's right. I cut up the Azer stat song. Everybody's got a little little verse in there. But <laughs> Remember that song somebody sent in, uh, What's Heath Smoking? Yeah, same guy. I don't know why you didn't ever play that. That was so <laughs> yeah. good. It, it was, was such a great really song. Good, really good. How do, you, uh, how do you pick that, Dave? You just off the top of my head, usually. All right, this one is from. I don't have a name, but I do have. This guy is from Keenan Allen's hometown. Where is Keenan Allen from? I don't know where Keenan Allen. Well, give me a name at a, least. I think he's a Cali boy. Let's go with uh, Jim Bob from <laughs> Truckee, California. Okay, he says, "Dear Boomy, Momo, Appa, and Eero." Oh, that's av- this is that Avatar Airbender thing, I think. Everybody's telling me I need to see. 10-team PPR Dynasty League going into our <laughs> second year. We, we did an auction draft last year. I drafted really well for depth, but I could use some elite talent. It's a 1QB league, but we're transitioning to a 2QB league after this season. So he has Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Jalen Hurts. It's 1QB this year. It'll be 2QBs next year. Should I trade Jalen Hurts for a 2023 first-round pick? The guy's team is pretty bad and may be rebuilding, so it could be a high pick next year. And I already have two first-round picks in 2023. So I would have... He wrote two, but I think he'd have three. Would you give up Jalen Hurts with... You already have Wilson and Watson. Would you give up Hurts for next year round one pick, Heath? I think I probably would in this situation. I think that they're like the problem is if Jalen Hurts is as good as I think that he might be this year, then he's worth more than a 2023 first in a super flex league. Um, if he's a top six fantasy quarterback this year and solidified as the Eagles quarterback moving forward, then he might be worth multiple 2023 firsts. So I think you have a chance of losing some value, but there's also some risk in what happens with Hurts. This year, he's not helping you win the championship because you have Wilson and Watson, so you're probably going to be great at quarterback anyway in a one-quarterback league. And I, I do like the possi- I, I like storing that value in the 2023 pick better. Yeah, this is, an, this is a trade you make. And I know that Hertz does have potential in fantasy to be outstanding. He can have a good fantasy year and still not have a good year for Philadelphia, and the Eagles could move on from him. So... I don't think just because he's great for fantasy means 
that he's going to be great for Philadelphia for the next five plus years. I would take the chance on the 2023 first round pick. You would now have three. You could conceivably take one of the quarterbacks next year. And then the clock starts on that guy for the next five years. I also could not have been more wrong on where Keenan Allen is from. <laughs> He's from the complete other side of the country, Greensboro, North Carolina. Ah, yeah, I would have guessed California too, for sure. Because he went to Cal. Right. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how many players go to Cal that aren't from California? Well, he, also, he plays in California. He went to Cal. So he, and he, he has a Cal vibe to him. Don't he you definitely just, is right? He's a Cal vibe. Yeah. But Greensboro is, Greensboro is the California of North Carolina. That's what I hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you so much to Dave and Heath and Rich Rebar and Ben Schrager. This was a really fun show. I know y'all like the Dynasty content. And, and within the Dynasty content, I think there's plenty of redraft uh, talk as well. There's so much that overlaps. So even if you don't play in Dynasty, this stuff is helpful, I think. And ho- hopefully, anyway. And I hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, We'll talk to you on Thursday as we review last week's mock draft with the rookies. We'll talk to you then. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. See you in a couple of days.